Hey, give all of our worship team a big hand. You guys, thank you, thank you, thank you. What a blessing. And look at your neighbor and give them a hand. I heard your voice. Well, take out your Bibles. Uh, open with me to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37. My title today is Joseph for Sale. That's sad, isn't it? Joseph for sale. So we started out the beginning of the year, in fact, really a theme of being focused, but going back and going through the Old Testament and looking at who many times the Bible calls these, the heroes of faith. Were they perfect? No. Do we get a chance to look at their life and learn? Absolutely. In fact, um, I was reading 1 Corinthians 10, 11. 1 Corinthians 10, 11, it says, now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. The, their lives were an example to us, and it was written down, so we get a chance to read those today. So we get to study their examples, their missteps, their mistakes, so that we can learn how and what not to do. This is our example. So as we've been going through, uh, we started out um, with, actually, in, with Adam and Eve. We've been going right up today. We want to get in for the next three weeks into the life of Joseph. You know what I thought was interesting about Joseph? 14 chapters in the Bible. 14 chapters about his life. Almost more than any other of the Old Testament heroes. And why, is that just because somebody got carried away at writing about Joseph? You know, I really like that coat, so I'm just going to keep writing. No, because we know that what we have in the Bible and the scriptures is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So there are situations and happenings in Joseph's life that we're supposed to go over and go over to learn and we'll actually see that the blessing of the Lord is upon him. Now, um, this family is the family that's blessed, right? So Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, now Jacob. Remember there was Jacob and Esau, so we have Jacob. His name's changed to Israel. This family is the one blessed. Jacob, uh, uh, Israel, is going to have 12 sons, but their family's a mess, a mess. The older brothers want to kill the one brother? Think about it. Right? So that's some family drama, isn't it? So don't worry about maybe family drama that you have in your household. You can work through it. Look at your husband or wife or kids. Tell me, hey, you can work through it. You know, we have, in fact, I've identified in our family when the drama really hits. And it's over yard sales and moving. There's nothing that ignites the household like a yard sale and you know and moving. You know what it comes down to? Different philosophies. My philosophy is everything's going to go out and go, and nothing's going to come back in, and I'll wheel and deal on anything. You know, we just have a different, and it always causes tension. And so we're always we always know if it's a yard sale time, we know how to work through it. We've done two East Coast moves. And we, we like moving differently. I would rather sell everything except the shirt and the pants and the shoes I'm wearing. And I'll just go figure it out when we get there, right? Michelle wants to take everything we have with her. Two different philosophies. 
But over the years, you learn how to work it all out. And we always say this, marriage amplifies everything. Oh, did I say that a little loud? <laughs> it amplifies. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's got some drama. But you've learned over the years, you learn the trigger points. Okay? You sell everything before she gets up. Then she doesn't know. <laughs> She'll never know. No, you know, and she knows that she, she knows it's true. She knows. So let me start reading here at Genesis 37. Let me get over there in my Bible. Genesis 37. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. I know I've been saying it for a couple weeks. I felt challenged of the Lord to read this year out of a new translation, and I'm still clicking and going. The words say, you'll probably hear it sometime. Michelle will say, you know, I think you're still saying it out of the New King James. I know. But here we go. English Standard Version. I'm going to read the first 11 verses. Genesis 37. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Cana. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pastoring the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, the father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than the other, uh, more than any other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. And he said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream, and he told it to his brothers, and he said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. You know, when I read that last one, I remembered Mary. Early on in Luke chapter 2, Mary pondered all of those things and she kept it in her heart. There was something that Israel knows, that these dreams aren't far-fetched, but he kept those in his heart. So Lord, we pray today as we look into your word that it looks into us. It's instruction for us. It's life. We're not just reading history. We're reading the words of life. And so we thank you for blessing us today in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I'd shared in an email this week, um, a couple months ago, Ernie Gomez came into my office with the most beautiful red sports coat. And you can ask my daughter this morning, I was going to wear it to church today, just because we're talking about coats of many colors, and she kind of looked at me a little odd, and um, so I didn't wear it today, but I'm going to save it. In fact, I figured it was the last day of February, but it's a beautiful red sports coat, and when Ernie brought it in my office, I... I was so excited, I threw it on, it fit perfectly, and then I grabbed out my phone, I looked on the calendar, and I thought, there's five Sundays in December. That means every Sunday I get to wear this red coat in every different event, because I did have a coat that I wore, and I noticed it was starting to get a little, you know, I've had it for years, so I have this beautiful red coat that I'll probably only wear on December, but I've got a red coat to have. We're going to see something different with Joseph. Joseph receives a coat of many colors, handmade by his father. And it seems if you read through the story, he wears that thing everywhere he goes. Right? Everywhere. Handmade by his father. To him, because he's the favorite. Oh boy. Now, he's not the firstborn. The firstborn is Reuben. Right? Born from Leah. Uh, Joseph is number 11, born from Rachel, whom that was the one that Jacob, Israel, wanted to marry first. And remember, he got the switcheroo on the wedding night. He ended up with Leah and then had to work, and then ended up at the end of the week getting Rachel and had to work another seven years for him. But Joseph is the one he favors. But notice when the scriptures that we just read, Joseph is 17 years old. And he goes out and he sees his brothers doing something and he comes back and tells on them. Now, I don't know about you, that wouldn't have worked in my home. We called you a rat. Didn't we? Ever heard that word? A snitch. You just didn't, you didn't do those things. Plus, I had a mom that she would crack down, you know, three boys. She would crack down on us. And the first thing she'd crack down on was the words that came out of our mouth. Because she loved to take that Irish spring soap and run it across our tongues and in our teeth and in our gums and everywhere we could to rinse our mouth out. We don't say those words in our house. So one day I was doing uh, homework and I was in the dictionary and I saw a bad word in the dictionary. And I thought, I can't call my brother that bad word, but I'm going to use the page number. <laughs> so I remember at dinner, if I had that if I had that dictionary, I called him a 502. <laughs> Mom didn't pay attention at all. You're a 639, you're an 812. You know, I just went through the whole things. Well, then they caught on, right? They're trying to tell Mom, well, I hit the dictionary. Until one day coming home from school, there's Mom at the table with the dictionary with all the words written out. Yeah, that didn't work. To the bathroom, you're going to get your mouth washed out with soap. Well, again, Joseph is going to be a snitch. He's telling on his brothers. He's the favorite one. The favorite one, the father makes this robe, this beautiful coat for him. In fact, some of the, um, it's interesting when you read the Hebrew, it's a long sleeve coat, which meant that he was the firstborn. He was the one of inheritance. He wasn't the firstborn. But Joseph must have had some, or, um, I, uh, Israel must have some inkling to give it to Joseph 
but because the brothers saw him with the coat, they hated him. In fact, later on, they call him, here comes the dreamer. Here comes the dreamer. He's got that coat on, right? He's wearing that coat. Well, it, when we read down, I want to read this verse in Genesis 50, 20, because if we were to take Joseph's life in 14 chapters and try to put it into one verse, it would be this verse, Genesis 50, 20. Joseph says these words at the end, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. What you meant for evil against me, God meant it for good. Do you know the only thing when we go through the story here, the only thing that it looks like that Joseph may have done wrong is he probably should have been like his dad and Mary in the future and kept that dream in his heart. You know, if you sat down tonight at the dinner table and began to tell a dream that all your family would bow before you, how would that go over? <laughs> Had the same, that's what I thought. You know, I've just seen such great leadership qualities in you. I just can't wait to bow before you. In fact, should we start tonight? I'm going to start a business. You're all going to work for me, and I'm not going to work. Well, here's what Joseph did. Joseph is just like his father. His father, Israel, Jacob, the Bible says he hung out in the tents. While Esau was out in the field, Joseph now is hanging out in the tent, and his brothers are out doing the work, right? And then he's going out, and he's telling on them, hey, you missed a spot. I'm going to tell Dad, right? They hated him. They hated him. They hated him. But as we said in the beginning of the service, and I wanted to read this verse, Genesis 12, verse 2 and 3, this saying of God we see constantly in the lives of Abraham, in Isaac, in Jacob, Israel, Joseph, and so on. In fact, let me read it. And this is the word to Abram in the beginning. It says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. In, in him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. We see this blessing that was given to Abraham completely now on Joseph as you begin to read through his life. But we come to Genesis 37, verse 33. Uh, three and four, and we read that he's got this coat of many colors. We go on and we read that he begins and he does these dreams. And these dreams are of his greatness over his family. And yet the very next thing that we read that I want to pick up, and I want to start in verse 14 of Genesis 37. In fact, this is as he's going to check on his brothers. He's been assigned to go find them by his father. And we pick this up in verse 14. So he said to him, go now and see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring me word. Let me go to verse 18. They saw him from afar and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, 
and we will see what will become of his dreams. What are they attacking? His dreams. They're attacking the dream. Let me read on. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of his hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of the hand to restore him to the Father. I love what that happens. So Reuben's thinking, we're going to throw him in the pit, but I'm going to get him out. I'm going to take him to Dad. Right? I'm going to get favor. I might get a coat. Hopefully it has more color. I'm going to get favor on this. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. And they took him and they threw him into the pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it to Egypt. When Judah, then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by and they drew Joseph up, lift him, lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe into the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. And he identified it and said, it is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. And then Jacob tore his garments and put on sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All of his sons and all of his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Then the father wept for him. Meantime, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. Boy, what a story! And we're reading about the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, right? You know, these guys end up being the leaders of the tribe. You know what I wrote this down? God will take the sins of the brothers and he'll use it. And he'll turn it around to deliver this nation of Israel. He'll take what they did. As, think it, 
It's one thing to be so upset at your brother because he's the favorite one and he got the robe and he wears it, evidently, as you read, he's got the robe on wherever he goes. You can't miss, oh, here he comes. We've already heard this dream. We're going to bow before him. You know, mom and dad are going to bow. We're all going to bow down and just, I guess, bless Joseph. We've already heard all of these dreams that he has. And it's one thing to hate him and dislike him. It's another thing to conspire to kill him. And then to come up with a plan, one of them is going to throw him in a pit and get him out later to try to get restored. Then they're going to sell him, right? Well, you know, we, we can't put a hand on him. He's our own flesh. But we'll sell him, right? We'll sell him. And then Joseph gets sold a second time. And then they go and they take the coat and they throw it in blood and they take it back to the father to destroy his own heart. But as we read through these, that's where I thought, the, the conspiracy of the brothers, of their flesh and of that evil heart, never destroyed God's plan or the dream that he gave to Joseph. And again, the only thing we see that Joseph should have probably kept in check was the dream. Well, you say, well, if he didn't tell him the dream, he wouldn't end up in Egypt. Well, here's what we know. God's plans always come to pass. If God puts a dream, if God has a calling on somebody, he's not doing it to be cute. He has an absolute purpose in mind. You know, it's interesting. They try to get rid of the dreamer, yet the dreamer ends up at the end fulfilling the dreams. God's plans can never be stopped by human intervention. You know, if we read on, we don't have time to read on, but if we read on a little bit, we read this about Joseph. Potiphar, who he ends up buying, brings in this Hebrew boy and puts him over everything that he has. Potiphar was an officer of Pharaoh. The only thing that Potiphar was now concerned about because Joseph was so good at what he did was what he had to eat at night or breakfast, lunch, or dinner. The only thing he was concerned about is what he brought from plate to his mouth. But we saw that in, in Joseph's life as an early young man. He was evidently taking inventory, administrating what the brothers were doing, and that's why he was complaining, right? That's a gift he's got. He's got a gift of figuring these things out. And yet even when Potiphar's wife tries to get him to fall and to sleep with her, he won't do it. In fact, you know, if you read that, he has another coat on that she takes off and hold. Jo it should have been Joseph's two coats, right? Even when he's thrown in the prison, God's not done. He's never done. In fact, it made me think of a few verses uh, that we read throughout the Bible. Psalm 75, 6 and 7. And I want to read this out of three translations. First one is English Standard Version. For not from the east or from the west and not from the wilderness comes lifting up. Not from the east, not from the west, and not from the wilderness comes lifting up, but it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. I like the message how it says this. Here's what the message says. God rules. He brings this one down to his knees and pulls that one up to her feet. Isn't that good? God rules. And then probably my favorite one, the Passionist Translation says this. This I know, 
The favor that brings promotion and power doesn't come from anywhere on earth. For no one exalts a person but God, the true judge of all. He alone determines where favor rests. He anoints one for greatness and brings another down to his knees. You know, we don't have time to follow. We'll see it in the next couple weeks. You follow, you follow Joseph and it doesn't get any better. It gets worse. And you're telling people about the dreams and all you're saying is remember me and they don't remember you. But here's what I read. He anoints for greatness and he brings another to his knees. Here's what we see in Joseph's life. This dream is God inspired. Because it doesn't matter what happened to Joseph or where Joseph went. From the pit, right, to a palace, back into prison, and then overseeing and administering the second in command of all of Egypt. It didn't matter what happened to Joseph. God was the one that would anoint for greatness. It didn't matter that that dream was so big. You know, maybe at the time it didn't seem big to him. It's a dream that is so big. Because the moment they come and bow before him is because Joseph has administered a plan to not only take care of Egypt, but this little nation of Israel. I want you to do this with me today. This is what I thought. Take out your, or lift your sleeve up and put, you know how you do your pulse? Does everybody feel a pulse? If you can, everybody feel a heartbeat? Does anybody not feel their heartbeat? Well, Okay. You're still alive, aren't you? That means the dream that God has for you is not dead. Hmm? You've got breath in your lungs. You've got life in your steps. You've got a pulse. You've got a heartbeat. That means your dream isn't done. And I don't mean to pick on Jess and Tita back there. And Tita was in the hospital for 12 days. Thought she was going to be home with the Lord. I think you prayed that, didn't you? God, take me. And Jess said, you're not going yet. And the Lord spoke to her that she was supposed to go back to the Philippines and disciple in her church. And she's just a couple years older than me. No, she's got fire. Both of them have fire in their bones. God's not done. Right? Look at your neighbor and say, God's not done with you. You may not have gotten the favorite coat. You may not have been the favorite kid. Okay? You might have been thrown in a pit. You might have been thrown in the prison. But he's not done with the dream that he's placed in your heart. God's not done. And it doesn't matter what mankind or people will try to do to stop it. You can't stop God. You can't stop his purposes. You can't stop his plans. Bow your heads if you would with me today. Let me first pray this. If you're here today and you've forgotten about what God has said over your life, I so encourage you to go back. Maybe you wrote it down. Maybe it was in a, a quiet time. Maybe it was somebody that prophesied it over you. Would you go back to the very thing that God said? Because we read in Romans that the gifts 
and the callings of God are irrevocable. He doesn't hit delete. I made a mistake. The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. In fact, let me use the, go back to that well. Go back to that place. Be refreshed. Be encouraged that God is not done with you. You might look at similarities in the story of Joseph and the situations that he's placed in. But God is always at work. He's always at work. And many times he's just looking for us to look to him. So Lord, I pray today, anybody that is here or might even be listening to my voice, Lord, that may have abandoned what you said, may have doubts about what you said, may have doubts about how it would all work out. Lord, I thank you when we look at the life of Joseph, that you're at work from the moment we see him at 17 to where he's administering all of Egypt. You're at work. Leading and guiding him. We don't even see him complain in the prison. He just says, remember me. So Lord, I thank you today that we go back to that well. We go back to that place that you're not done. Those gifts and those callings are irrevocable. And we command that blessing over us today. We command that blessing. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, in fact, I don't have time to go through all the similarities of Joseph and Jesus being sold. And, but here's what we know about Jesus. Sinless took this, our sin on him as suffering to become our Savior. So pray this prayer, if you would, after me. Ready? Dear God, I believe in Jesus, and I believe that he lived and that he died for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for bringing me into your family. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you needed prayer for any of those areas, I want to so encourage you at the end of service. We would love to pray for you. Well, stand with me, dreamers. We have different philosophies in our home about how we move. However, I have come to learn over the multiple times that we've moved. That I am God's favorite. And that the way this happens, he's always got my back. Because you see, this was many, many moons ago. We were, Maverick I think was only two, only two. And we were sitting down to dinner that night and we were talking about our day. And it was, you know, very, it was good, blah, blah, blah. And Maverick says, dump truck, dump truck. And I'm like, dump truck? And I look at Walt, I'm like, dump truck? And he looks at Mav like, dude, you sold me out. <laughs> Him, he took Maverick on a field trip that day. Walt had decided he wanted to clean the garage while I was gone. And Maverick 
and Walt went on a field trip to the dump. <laughs> and Maverick saw dump trucks for the first time. And he was so excited to tell me about the dump trucks. Do you know, I realized that day, anything done in secret <laughs> would be revealed. And I would find out. So, yes, we do move differently. Um, I'm not quite sure how many more of these different kinds of moves we're going to do. <laughs> but I do know this, that God knows the dreams that he's placed on the inside of your heart. You might have forgotten them along the way. You might have forgotten them or shelved them. But he never shelves them. In fact, he's got a library full of dreams and stories and books with your name written on it. And he's not asking if you're qualified. He doesn't need to see your resume. Because I don't know about you, but my resume wouldn't even add up to what he's asked me to do. And I'm sure you find yourself in the same boat. But he hasn't forgotten. He hasn't forgotten the day that you came to be and all the things that he had written about you before you ever were. And he's just waiting for you to continue to do what he's asked you to do. If you've put the pause on the dream, I asked you, we don't have, you know, uh, uh, you remember tape recorders, they had the button pause. We don't have those anymore. We have a clicker maybe. I asked you to take your finger off the pause. You might have to keep your mouth quiet and not go and tell everybody, but at least take your finger off the pause and let him do what he desires to do. It might be something else in your business. He might be asking you to step out or maybe expand. It might be something in your church. It might be something in your job. It might be something in your family. Whatever he's asking you to do. Don't try and figure it all out, and don't try and figure out if you're good enough to do it, because honestly, none of us really are good enough to do everything he's asked us to do, and that's not why he asked you to do it. He asked you to do it because he wanted you to partner with him to do what Joseph did. In the end of the book, that last chapter, chapter 50, when it said, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good, because there was a plan, and it really, it was about Joseph, but it wasn't about Joseph. It was to save people. And the dream, although it's given to you, is not just for you. It's for people around you. To bring them into relationship with Jesus, to deepen people's walk with Jesus, and just do and be who he's called us to be. Amen? That's why I loved our testimony this morning. Didn't you love that this morning? I enjoyed that because it encourages our faith that, you know what, when you just step out and you just invite people, their faith is deepened, their relationship with Jesus is deepened, and sometimes they just get saved. Amen?
Well, it's been a good day in God's house. I love seeing your face. It is always good to be here. If you need bags, okay, that is a dream of the Hills Church. God's dream, those bags, get them out into the community. Pick some up, give them out, keep them in your car. We have um, adult Bible study after service. And if you need prayer, please do not hesitate to come up. We'd love to pray with you. God bless you and have a great week. <laughs>